guys and welcome back to Let's Be Open. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about monogamy and non-monogamy, of what they are, um, our experience of both and the positives and negatives of both as well. So if you do enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or give us a follow. Um, yeah, so we're going to start off talking about what monogamy and non-monogamy is, the difference between them, polyamory, because there's lots of different titles out there, open relationships, I think a lot of people don't know about them, do they? And also a little bit of our experience, I don't know if you want to talk a bit about our experience and yeah. what we've... Yeah, we can start with that. Yeah. So, Chloe and I started dating about two years ago, three yeah. years ago, two, three and years um, ago. <laughs> I on my on our first date mentioned that I wasn't, I didn't really understand monogamy, being with one person forever, didn't really see the benefits of it. And I'm thinking, God, just force yourself to sleep with one person forever. How's that a smart move? That's not natural. Anyway, we ended up being in a monogamous relationship for eight months because Chloe gave me some ultimatum. Oh, you can't (laughs) be sleeping with anyone else. So we ended up going monogamous for a little while. And then after a while, I just thought, I can't be doing this forever. This is crazy. Um, so since then we kind of dated for a while and now we kind of call ourselves in like a non-monogamous relationship i suppose yeah well from that point we went non-monogamous which was two years ago so it's the first year we were monogamous for like 10 yeah. months and then non-monogamous for the last two and it was a good learning curve for both of us because there was there's many benefits to it but a lot of the stuff is brought up jealousies and insecurities and yeah. not feeling good enough and stuff like that and we were very lucky because when we went into our non-monogamous relationship um, we didn't really know anything about non-monogamy how the relationships work but my therapist is in an open marriage so we were really lucky that she was like mm. don't break up come and see me <laughs> we'll talk about how you can make this work pretend, like potentially make it work yeah and I think because Tress had said to me at the beginning of the relationship that he didn't really believe in monogamy it wasn't like a massive surprise to me when you said I couldn't do this whereas I guess if someone had lied for the first 10 months and pretended mm. it would have been different but I kind of knew that potentially that would come at some point um so yeah it, it was hard but um and also we've called ourselves not monogamous because <clears throat> but it means that we can kind of flip between the two so even if you're in a non-monogamous relationship you're not constantly always constantly sleeping with other people so you can be monogamous for periods non-monogamous the whole point is that you don't have that pressure mm. to be one thing you can be almost what you say like fluid in the relationship and it's adaptable and, and changes as you change yeah, and I think we've definitely learned that there is 100% benefits to each way of relating. Yeah. And that probably somewhere in the middle of the two is the the best way for at least us to be carrying on and probably for most people to be carrying on because there's you can kind of have that happy median of the real benefits of monogamy whilst also not having so many controls and expectations that come with monogamy mm-hmm. by being a little bit more fluid and a little bit more open. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we thought we'd um talk about the definitions of monogamy, non-monogamy and polyamory and stuff. And I might have got these not exactly perfect and you can comment and correct me if I'm slightly wrong, but it's, <laughs> we've sort of got the gist of what they are because obviously Tris and I didn't go into this thinking, I oh, know, let's have this title. We just kind of are what we are. But after doing more research... um. So non-monogamy is... Yeah, because I would quite often just say, yeah, I'm in an open relationship. But then you said to me, oh, no, that we're not in an open relationship. Yeah, so open relationship is a, where you're in a mainly monogamous relationship, but you open it up for other people to come into your relationship. Or you to go as a couple with other couples, which potentially we might do at some point, but that's mm. another... Um, a slightly different... Or you're, you let your partner... Um, like you might go to like swinging things together but it's mainly like a monogamous kind of relationship um and I think the open relationship has more of the commitment side so I guess maybe yeah we are slightly more like that because there's more of a committed side but then polyamory is where you are in a committed obviously not sexual but committed relationship with but you have multiple relationships so it's not like well it is sexual but, polyamory a whole bunch of sexual relationships you're not committed it? to one person 
Aren't you committed to all of them, though? Yeah, so you're not... Um, I think the difference between polyamory, for example, and being single and sleeping around is, like, you might even live with those people. You might all live in one house and you might share financial, you know, bank accounts together. You go on holiday together. Like, it's a proper relationship with these people. Um, build a home together, that kind of thing. It's long-term. Mm. That's what polyamory is. And you said... What was your definition of polygamy? Because polyamory is different to polygamy. Well, polygamy is just um, how most animals most creatures are which is just having more than one mate so yeah. polyamory i guess the actual definition polyamor is um multiple, multiple yeah. loving Poly relationships is, yeah. whereas polygamy is just multiple sexual relationships yeah and then obviously monogamy is sexual exclusivity um with one person mm. um well that's um well that's how it should be but as we're going to in this podcast it ends tends to be a lot more than just sexual exclusivity, yeah. even dining exclusivity, <laughs> going over just that person's house exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. It can, can reach over to those kind of areas as well. Yeah, so that's the, um, the kind of differences and where we're at at the moment as well. Um, so we kind of wanted to talk about in this podcast the positives of monogamy and therefore the negatives are non-monogamy, and the other way around, so the positives are non-monogamy mm-hmm. and the negatives. Because like Trish said, there are, as we found, positives and negatives to both. And I think it's good for people to know and be aware of these things. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the beginning of monogamy? Oh, yeah. So there's a really good book called Sex at Dawn, if any of you are interested, which is about the history of monogamy. Um, so I'm not obviously going to like talk about the whole book, but briefly, so you understand where monogamy has come from. So monogamy kind of came about the boom of agriculture, um, and obviously with, along with religion as well. So before agriculture, sex was, um, fairly promiscuous and paternity was not a concern. So what they used to do, like hunter-gatherer days, was they would share their resources, so food, shelter, sex it wouldn't be like you can only have sex with one person and then when they had babies they would share the childcare together so it's kind of like a community they'd share everything and there wasn't sexual exclusivity yeah, that's pretty much polyamory then isn't it yeah yeah like a community and they were saying a bit like the osho community and they were yeah. saying that actually they thrived off their not being sexual exclusivity so there was um social equilibrium when they shared the resources of sex that that was what they thrived off um mm. and it's, it's um and yeah, we, yeah and we did say about um there being less jealousies and insecurities because there was no monogamy there was less jealousies mm. and insecurities amongst those members of the community so therefore no sort of arguments and hostility would have come about yeah. as a result of people being overly um, controlling and greedy with their one sexually exclusive partner yeah yeah well it's actually said in the book that it didn't cause jealousies in fact it caused it um helped social equilibrium and it was strengthened by playful sexual interaction yeah um so there's a false assumption that our species is primarily monogamous and in the book it explains why we're not a primarily monogamous species and the way that our bodies and hormones have been made um, or set up in a way. An example is that the man is um, put on earth to spread his seed. He's not put on earth to have sex with one person and spread his seed with just that person. This yeah, is, through evolution, yeah. he needs yeah. to try and get around as much as possible. And whereas the woman will look for a mate that has particular things to, you know, um, have a good child with. So they naturally look at things like genes or whatever. The yeah, to, pro- to provide for the woman and to stay around and to yeah, yeah. gain resources so that they don't survive, the, the uh, so that they do survive. Yeah, the, and even like, if you think of like ducks or like, that's just a random example, but it could be like cows or whatever. When they mate, the dad doesn't stick around with the woman forever, but the woman does bring up, the female brings up the kids, like the calves or the chicks or whatever. Yeah, and this is where it's much more important for human fathers to stay around because human infants are notoriously weak individuals. Like, when you think about it, they are the weakest infants of all, probably all species. Yeah. You get, like, turtles. They're just born out of the shell and they just run straight into the sea. Don't need a mom. Don't need a dad. That's insane. Yeah. And then some things like gazelles, they'll come out being able to run and walk. Mm. 
and then human infants come out like unable to do anything. I think monkeys for, like, are the same. Apparently, years. monkeys are quite obviously because we've come from monkeys. They're similar to us as well. Like. They, the dad tends yeah. to stay around and help the monkey grow up as well. Yeah, so there is. this is one of the good things with um, monogamy that we'll get onto later, but it's very useful, especially for the woman, to ensure that she has a man that's at least going to be somewhere nearby to help out with yeah. the bringing up of the of the child. Yeah. Yeah, so um, obviously, yeah. So going back to where it came from, basically with ag- the boom of agriculture, agriculture if um, a man had his land or whatever he wanted to pass down it was important for him to know who his children were and have them to pass his land down to and that was apparently how like marriage came about because Mm -hmm. if you could uh, have a law-abiding contract with a woman which is what happens when you get married she can't go like go anywhere well back like back then it was more strict as well so she wouldn't go anywhere she would be there bringing up the children and then he would have that to pass down mm. and obviously there was other things like religion christianity you know all of that it's very um rules in the bible about sex and monogamy and all of that as well influenced yeah. it all i wonder that's probably then when the first kind of jealousy started coming in and i wonder if the jealousies began not being sexual i wonder if they were material because we were more worried about having material we had more need for material protection back then Mm. so i wonder if the first ever jealousies when agriculture kind of got set up was off the back of oh no if i don't get a mate and he doesn't stay around i'm not going to have any material goods for my future and for my kids and then it kind of evolved to being sexually jealous yeah do you know what i mean yeah yeah makes sense yeah yeah and obviously then with like further in life with the um after the wars and then you've got the boom of like more materialistic things but that brought out jealousies and insecurities like people having more money or better you know clothes or whatever it was (laughs) yeah well they're well needed aren't they yeah yeah so that was uh the kind of basic description of like where monogamy came from but obviously you can read more online or sex at dawn is a good book so humans like nearly all other species aren't naturally monogamous however humans have come so far from natural and we're here with division of labor and capitalism and we've all ended up in this monogamous way of living generally speaking except for the fact that humans aren't monogamous so that's why there's a lot of cheating and there's a lot of relationships don't last Yeah, yeah exactly yeah and um Obviously, it's becoming more common now, uh, non-monogamy, which is really good. It's being more spoken about, um, especially with, like, gays tend to have more open relationships and not monog- be not monogamous and more fluid relationships, which is really good because it's all being spoken about more. Mm. Um, and even us doing this podcast, you know, this compared to 10 years ago, still a massive change. More people are talking about it, which is really good. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, shall we talk about the positives of monogamy and negatives of non-monogamy to start with? Yeah. What one first, baby? Positives of... Well, it's the same one. Positives of... Well, yeah, positives of monogamy and negatives of non-monogamy, isn't it? Oh, the positives (laughs) of monogamy, yeah. 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 Um, So, um, monogamy came from, um, like we just said, like social conditioning, religion, agriculture, but... Obviously, along with that, there are, like, a lot of positives. For example, if you're in a monogamous relationship the and you want a child, there's a lot of positives in that, that you've got someone there, or hopefully, to support the child together. You've got the financial stability of that, like... Mm, and the fitting into the system. So yeah. that's the, there's a lot of social conditioning there, where we have come to this point in time where we're, in, we're living in mainly monogamous ways and therefore if you don't live in a monogamous way and you're trying to bring up a kid, you could be ostracised or looked down upon um, and there's a lot more social pressure on you that's not good. So therefore it's a lot easier to be monogamous bringing up kids. Yeah, and like financially, like sharing bank accounts, buying a house together, living together, all of those things, you know, when it's hard with money, it makes it a lot easier being monogamous and doing mm. those sort of things. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, like you said, even the fitting in, even when it comes to things like marriage, you know, oh, you've been together this many years, are you going to get married? Or are you going to live together? Like Tris and I get a lot of those questions thrown at us. So that's definitely a negative of being non-monogamous because people, you don't fit into the norm and mm. it's um, difficult. Yeah, you have to have quite strength of character. You really do. Yeah. So like when Tris and I first got together, um, literally all of my friends and work colleagues and family 
all doubted Tris and all said like, oh, he's just a fuck boy. He's going to screw you over. This is, you know, all about sex. Um, and no one really had faith apart from my therapist in our relationship and like what we being in an open relationship, which is quite mm. ironic because we're still together after two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, it um, is a funny one, isn't it? Most people think open relationship, they think it's mainly about sex. But mm. anyone listening to this that knows me and Chloe especially knows me. The hardest thing for me about monogamy is the the forcing nature, the being told what to do, the being told you can't sleep with other people is actually the the harder thing than being monogamous because I don't believe that we should oppress people like that and put them into a situation that isn't entirely of their own creation. And that is the thing that I really struggle with, with monogamy. It's like, you can't do this. Mm. And it's like, hang on a sec, don't yeah. fucking tell well, me we'll, what to do, especially when I'm doing something that... Is, is natural, natural yeah. and it's not. We'll come onto that when we talk about um, the positives of non-monogamy. But obviously, there are positives of monogamy. Um, also, like having children, because when you have a baby, bringing a baby up by yourself, say if you're in an open relationship, and your partner's off seeing someone else, trying to bring a baby up by yourself is very, very difficult. Whereas if you've got a partner there all the time, it's going to mm. make life a lot easier. So that's yeah. quite important. Well, this is where. If it was, if everyone was polyamorous and everyone had the ability to have multiple really loving relationships and live in communities like the old days, which possibly one day in the future the world would be like, then those sorts of problems wouldn't exist. But yeah, yeah with you'd the share childcare, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. But with the current state of it, might even be easier. Imagine you had a family of fifty, and it's like one woman can look after the kids all day, and <laughs> everyone else can go to work. Yeah. All the capitalists watching this, maybe that's a not a, not a bad idea for the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even more work. <laughs> well, no one would get a day off, would they? Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um. Yeah, and. Uh, the world is kind of set up for monogamy. Like, you even think about, like, Valentine's and holi- holidays, like, couples' holidays, couples' this, um, weddings. You know, it's not set up for open relationships and non-monogamy. You couldn't have a marriage of four people, for example. It's just not set up that way. Mm, yeah. Um, so it is quite difficult. And even, yeah, like, couples' things. It's always couples, isn't it? You've got to go as a two. <laughs> so, yeah. That's another reason why being monogamous is is a good thing. Um, Another reason that monogamy is positive is um, that as a man and a woman, you have to sort of, well, you have to not act out of your desires all the time. And that's actually a really good thing because it makes you address those desires and realise that sometimes they're not the right things to act on. You shouldn't always act on your desires. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good thing about monogamy. Yeah, well, you're swapping, you're swapping out one thing for another, aren't you? So you're swapping out a long-term fulfilment through being really tightly bonded with one person. Yeah. Which does, does give you really long-term, long-term pleasure. Um, but to do that, you have to sacrifice that short-term gratification, which is hard to do and difficult for some more than others. Yeah, but that is a positive of it, that you were saying how, like, in Taltaging... And the Bible, they say that you should work on acting on your desires um, and you shouldn't always act on them. I think you were talking about that with me the other day, that you try not to all the time. So that's a positive of monogamy, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I really think there is long-term fulfilment if you don't constantly jump on those. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of negatives to just jumping on every person that you know you, you want to sleep with. You can get STDs, you can... You can't maintain hundreds of sexual relationships all at the same time. So if you focus too much on one, another one may suffer. So you're not going to have that tightly knit bond with that other person. So it is actually impossible at some point in time to have have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, like sharing time, like Tris said, if you're working as well, like to share time equally with all your partners. We know of someone that we follow who's quite big on social media who's now who was not monogamous and he's now gone back to monogamy and got married. And he said that the one thing he found really difficult about non-monogamy, you know, Aubrey Marcus, he was saying that it's because, because you can't split your time equally. And he just always felt so busy trying to fit everything in friends, life, mm. you know, looking after yourself, work, seeing three people a week. Um, and that means each girl or guy will get less time spent with them and the quality of the relationship will go down. So being monogamous is good because you can put all your, 
you know, effort yeah. into one relationship and all your love. Um, so that's a definitely a positive of monogamy. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I've already said about less time consuming. So it's society is more accepting. Oh, one last thing, a positive of monogamy, is you don't have to face your jealousies and insecurities as much. Mm, yeah. So they might come up, but you can sort of just push them under the rug because you're you've got that label of monogamy. Yeah. You know. You may you may have them actually. You do have them. You know. Yeah. Your, your, yeah you do. Your boyfriend yeah. says, "Oh, I'm going to go for a meal out with a girl," and you straight away get these jealousies and insecurities, but no way near to the same extent as you do when you're in an open relationship. Oh, we're just going to go see this bird for the night, Chloe, and it's the com- complete other ball game. Yeah. So you really are faced with them. But the funny thing with jealousies and insecurities is. Where do they come from and should they be there and can you get rid of those things? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think that insecurities and jealousies coming from, come, from a, come from your childhood trauma and a deep down worry for not feeling good enough within yourself and worrying about something can be taken away from you. Whereas if you've got that, that full strength of character where you realise like I am good enough, whatever happens, then there really is nothing to worry about. And the good thing about being in an open relationship is that you're forced into that. You're pushed it's straight into that. It, yeah. And you have to work on those things. Yeah, but it's definitely harder, like you said. You know, if I said to Tris, I'm going to go to this festival or go on holiday with two, what was it called, Marbella or something, <laughs> with my girlfriends. <laughs> the difference between being in a non-monogamous relationship and monogamous brings up different sorts of anxieties. I'm sure there are still anxieties that come up for people when they're monogamous, but it's just different. Um, and I guess because you know that your partner can do those things, it it brings that up. But like Tris said, that can also be a positive thing, which we will come on to as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main things of what positives of monogamy yeah, there was another one. What was I going to talk about? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, division of labour and capitalism and mm. the fact that it actually exists. And the main, or not the main, but one of the main reasons that capitalism exists and the reason that humans have got so far is because monogamy was created. Before the times of monogamy, or you see this in places like um, Somalia and places like that, they still have harems of women where it's a polygynous society so you have one male and that male is sleeping with the majority of all of the women and the problem with this is that when other men aren't sexually satisfied you have male aggression Mm -hmm. and therefore you have constant chaos within a society so no work Mm -hmm. ever gets done nothing ever gets built so the polygynous nature of humans before monogamy causes there to be no production of things and material wealth and building and innovation and technology. So if you like all of those things, you've got to be really thankful for monogamy because that's one of the things that monogamy creates, which is reduced male aggression because they all have a mate. Yeah. Really, really important. Yeah, I think that's very true. And also that... um these days, the the trouble with some of the non-monogamy kind of thing is people get the wrong end of the stick of it and kind of to do with the male aggression thing you were just saying, you get some maybe like alpha males who will potentially try and get like loads of women and then the ones who aren't, if, if everyone was not monogamous, this it is, then the ones that aren't as alpha might not get any women like you basically are saying. So that is kind of going on already. Yeah, I think it's funny because if we could all become all loving and work on our traumas and you know be inherently kind at the core of our humanity rather than selfish and greedy at the core i feel like things like polyamory would work really well however most of us myself included are probably more geared towards the survival of the fittest greedy nature that most humans depend upon and the problem with that, when you try and introduce something like polyamory, it does become polygyny, mm-hmm. polygyny really quickly. So those sorts of things, if humans get to a point in time where we, none of us are acting for these negative traits, greed and selfishness, stuff like that, we could probably have really, really good communities of polyamorous people and everyone loving everyone, everyone caring for everyone, everyone being kind all of the time. However, until you get to that point, trying to create polyamory across the world will not it'll create polygyny Mm. so maybe this is something for the future yeah Yeah. and um even in 
relationships, opening a relationship up, you have to be aware that your partner may be, may hold some of those character traits, which means it may be a more polygynous relationship, or it might be a more narcissistic relationship, or it may be a more greedy relationship than they're letting on. Yeah. Yeah, so you do have to be careful of that and it has to be you have to be relating with people that are able to be kind and compassionate they're really at the forefront of opening any relationship they require a lot of trust and they do require a hell of a lot of loyalty Mm. which may sound kind of ironic but it's really really true yeah you can't be going into a polyamorous relationship and just sleeping with everyone and yeah not telling the truth to the people that you're relating with it doesn't work long term yeah 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 (laughs) Especially with like SDIs and stuff like that, just it's unfair on people as well. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that we've all learnt, we've both learnt during this this time yeah. being open. I mean, Tristan and I have a rule that's um, uh, don't tell unless you're asked, but if you're asked, tell the truth. Because then if one person wants to know something, they can, but we don't go around going, oh, by the way, I spoke to this guy last night and we're going on a date, you know. Yeah. But if the other person says, are you going on a date tonight? Is yeah, so that's being honest, but it's not like rubbing it in each other's faces, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's being compassionate with each other's feelings. Yeah. Until we possibly get to the point where I can tell you, oh, I've slept with this girl, and you say, oh, cool, and there's no. <laughs> Let's all hang out. <laughs> yeah. Which is a a place that it could get to, yeah, right? Yeah. And it would be really <laughs> would be cool, way nicer. rather than having to like hide things. And yeah, stuff there like. was um the guy that I mentioned earlier, he's called Aubrey Marcus. When he was in his open relationship, they did know about each other's partners, and the reason he said, which is such a good way to describe it, he described his main girl as like a Lamborghini to him. So he was like, she is like the best like supercar. He said it was a Lamborghini, so that would be like me saying like Tris is like my Lamborghini. And he was like, I wouldn't just let any old person off the street get in my Lamborghini and drive it. I would want to be in that car with them, making sure they're looking after and driving that Lamborghini right. And maybe you would know how to do it. So that is the same as why he wanted to meet all the men that she was sleeping with to make sure like they're decent men mm. and be friends with them and like make sure she doesn't get hurt like in a nice caring way, not like a not in a controlling way, but in a caring way. So it'd be like Tris would know potentially and be friends with the guys I was with so that I didn't get hurt or fucked over or whatever like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. That's quite a good analogy. <laughs> so now we thought we'd talk about the positives of non-monogamy and why we found it to be really good and why monogamy doesn't always work and why monogamy is not so good. Mm. Um, so... I think one of the main things that we have noticed, this is especially for me, is that I thought non-monogamy meant just no sexual exclusivity. But I've actually come to realise that it's not just about sex. There's a whole list of other things that come with being monogamous that are not to do with sex. And being in an open relationship or not monogamous is better for me. Oh, sorry, being in an open relationship or not monogamous is better for me because you don't get that list of expectations and things. Uh, An example is um, if you're normally, and we are aware this isn't in all monogamous relationships, but something that I found was um, it's, it's kind of like an unwritten rule that you're not meant to hang out with the opposite sex too much. So in monogamous relationships, going for dinner with the opposite sex, staying the night, hanging out, Normally, it's a bit of like, oh, you're going for dinner with... Like, if Trish was going for dinner with a girl, you're going for dinner with a girl on your own, you know, don't really like that. Then there's a big argument, which there, if there's full trust, there doesn't need to be any argument there at all. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, oh, no, I don't mind if my partner partner does that. But in my experience, most people do mind. And they say, even with Instagram... My boyfriend's like following this girl on Instagram and like liked her picture. Oh my god, you know. It's so bad, isn't it? Yeah. So that all comes with monogamy. That's nothing to do yeah. with sex. And those are all things that are born out of an insecurity. He's liking that, therefore he might be going off with that person. And therefore you start talking about it and arguing about it. And that's something where the person that's been liking a photo has not done anything wrong, but it's your insecurity and your lack of trust that is creating that tension and that problem in that relationship. Um, I mean, some people might even say it's something wrong. They might say, you're not allowed to like other people's pictures in, in a relationship with me. Like, I, I do know people that say that, like, you're not allowed to like other people's or you have to put your name in my in your Instagram 
bio and put you're in a relationship on Facebook. Mm. And that is a rule that comes in some relationships. And that's what I mean. There's all these other unwritten rules that come with monogamy and expectations and pressures. Yeah. Or um, if your partner is texting another girl, that's his friend, obviously. We are aware that some people are cheating, but we're not talking about cheating here. This is friendships. And it's, oh my God, you're texting someone else. What are you doing? You know, people stealing their partner's phones to check them. Yeah. These are all problems that are from within. If I'm worried about these things and I feel the need to check your phone or to talk to you about you liking a guy's photo, monogamous or not, those problems are with me and should be dealt with by me. They shouldn't be something that you say to the other person, you've got to sort this out, you're doing something wrong. Because at the end of the day... The trust is the thing that you're lacking. And if you think that that person's a shitty person that you don't trust, you shouldn't be with that person. And if they are trustworthy, you shouldn't be bringing it up because it's something you should be working on. But I do actually know people who are in relationships and it's all over my TikTok where they're not allowed. They're just not. That's just part of their conditions. Both ways, they're not allowed to hang out with the opposite sex on their own or they're not allowed to follow and like other girls' pictures. That's actually the terms of their relationship. Um, and that's what I'm saying. That in some monogamous relationships, there's all these other things that come with it. That... But they are unwritten, like you say. Yeah, they? yeah, they're almost unwritten. But they do, you know, have it as... I do know a friend of mine who has that with their partner. So. Oh, yeah, I know, I know yeah, plenty yeah. of people with these things. But it's both ways. So it's not... They don't argue about it. They just don't let each other do it. Because it doesn't really... They just say you can't do it. But these still, things still come from your insecurities. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, still yeah, can yeah. be rectified via... You're you looking inwardly at yourself. And your partner doing the same as well, yeah. Mm. So there's, um, so like with, with Tris, I found that, yeah, it, if I was thinking about whether I'd ever go back to monogamy, and it's funny because a lot of the time I am sexually exclusive to Tris, but I wouldn't want to go back to monogamy because of those other reasons that I've just said, because of the unwritten rules and the expectations and the pressures. So I'd actually rather just stay not monogamous forever because it, there's none and another one is living on your own like you and I luckily both really like our own living space and I I don't know if I ever do want to actually share that with someone and I feel like I'm so much better mentally with my own space and I don't need all space all the time just a couple of days a week is really important to me and um they do I think they do say that couples that don't live together tend to last longer I don't know if that's actually true or don't Mm. yeah Someone told me that the other day. (laughs) It's uh, definitely (laughs) true. But things like that, people will say, oh, you've been together this long. Oh, you're not married yet. Oh, you're not living together. They're all expectations that come from monogamy, that you've got to be married, you've got to live together, you've got to do all these things together. Mm. Well, another another benefit of maybe not of um, open relationships, but a benefit of not living together is that you have your own time. You don't have this constant expectation when you come home. You can... um, you know, throw your bag on the floor and you don't have to live up to someone else's standard of living, which is quite freeing. Yeah. And I think then when you go to that person's house, you are still respectful of their laws and their rules for their house. However, you haven't been, you know, controlled and having to live by their standards the rest of the week. So it's a little bit easier to do. So for me anyway, I'm a little bit more carefree because I have that freedom. Yeah, yeah. And our therapist that I spoke about at the beginning is in an open marriage. They don't live together. And she said that it works so well because she loves colour in her flat and he loves black and white. So they never argue about decorating. He gets what mm. he wants, she gets what she wants. And they do spend a lot of time together, but they have that space. And she works long hours because she's a therapist and he does too. So you get that time apart. You can work separately, you know, have that space and then come together. Mm. And I find that when I have my space from you, it makes you appreciate each other as well. Um when you're with someone all the time, they just can get really annoying sometimes. <laughs> so when you have that time apart, it's nice to come back. Yeah, well, I think that all is the same The same controls. And we'll talk about controls because it's one of the main things that I think... I think it is the biggest problem with most monogamous relationships that have problems. I think the problem is the controls and the expectations, the coming home and not being able to put your bag on the floor and the, you can't like someone else's photo and someone has a go at you about... You know, they have a go at you about it and... There's just so so much of this control. And I think that when controls are put onto you from someone else rather than you controlling the way that you behave because you deem it right, the problem with that is you end up living in a an oppressive society. Well, it would be like a, an oppressive society. Yeah. You live in an oppressive relationship. So because I can't act the way that I want to act, I therefore don't like this relationship is the way that it plays out. 
and this is happening on a grander scale in society. There's so many rules and regulations at the moment and all this political correct bullshit where you yeah. can't say what you think at, at worry of offending someone. And it causes oppression because you're there thinking one thing but not being able to say it and therefore you don't like living anymore. Yeah. So you, yeah. you want to rebel, you want to cause chaos. I'll read that um that line from the Tao Te Ching because mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, Rule a nation with justice... The more laws and restrictions there are, the poorer people become. The more advanced the weapons of state, the darker the nation. And the more rules and regulations, the more thieves and robbers. And I think that's just so true. That's yeah. what relationships with too many controls imposed by me on you. You have to live this way. You have to do this. You can't put your bag on the floor. You have to tidy up after you. Eventually, you're going to go, fuck you. This is a shit relationship. and I want to be here. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go you know i'm going to talk to someone else yeah. exactly so it's it doesn't work control causes oppression and i believe that control in society and i believe that control in relationships has to come from me so in the in my relationship with chloe there's no control chloe's not saying to me you can't sleep with whoever you want she's saying you can do what you want tris and i trust and respect that you won't you won't do whatever you want yeah yeah and because chloe is giving me that freedom for me personally that is amazing and it's something that so few people are able to do. And because of that, I am very disciplined with myself and I'm not going to go fucking every girl that comes along and not using condoms and getting STDs because I'm in a relationship that I like where I'm not being oppressed. So I'm going to treat that with the utmost respect. And I think that's how all relationships should work and how all of society should work. We're building societies with more and more rules and regulations and is it causing happier people or is it causing more more oppressed and cunning people i think Mm. the latter i really do and obviously there are some relationships where they're not like this and they're not oppressive and they're not controlling and they're more freeing but i still think that even in those relationships where they're freeing there is still some underlying rules and terms that you have to follow and conditions which can be and obviously the first few years of relationship normally is okay but it's the long term, I think, this builds up. And that is when people tend to cheat or stray or get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really true. And also, just you reminded me of something there, that also with the non-monogamy, you do... Um, not only do you then do the opposite of, like, not actually sleeping with anyone because you are allowed to, which is actually a bit like a diet, isn't it? When you are not allowed chocolate, you want the chocolate. When you're allowed the chocolate, you don't eat as much. But also that it... Um, it makes you, for me anyway, appreciate the person more because there is always that risk that they could go off with someone better than you. So I'm always appreciating our time together and um, you as a person and almost not being, I guess also not being like an arsehole all the time because you're like, there is a chance that you could think, this is annoying me, I'm just going to go and see someone else, whatever, I don't want to spend as much time with Chloe. I know that can happen in monogamous relationships, but I feel like it's less likely to. So you appreciate that person more because of it, because there almost is um, that risk that they could date someone better than you. And it makes you better yourself as a character, because you're always wanting to keep a high level. Like, I always want to be a decent girl and decent person because you could meet someone else who's more of a decent person. There's always that risk. Yeah. Whereas I think when people get in a monogamous relationship, they get slack. They're like, right, I've got this person. We're married. They're not really going anywhere. It doesn't matter if I don't work on myself and I eat some cakes, put on a load of weight, like don't look after my health, don't look after me because my partner's just going to be there. Don't need to work hard on the relationship. But I feel the opposite in non-monogamy because you feel like there's always that risk. Yeah, work hard, try hard. If a guy likes physical appearance, I should work on my physical appearance. If a, if a guy likes a girl that's get, getting out there and working and earning some money, I need to be the person that's out there earning some money. Yeah. Because the chances are that your guy could be looking at all these other girls that are really successful or beautiful or whatever. So you have a a vested interest on working hard for yourself. And that's a good thing because we all want to be better people and it gives Mm. you that that kick up the butt to do it. Yeah, yeah. To be a better person, to work harder. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, like, even, like, if it's not always about... it's, It's hard to explain where you might slack, but even in the relationship, so... You might just be a bit more of an arsehole more often because you think this person's just going to be and tr- treat them like talk to them badly, 
um, not try hard after arguments to resolve things because you think, oh, well, like they're going to be here anyway, they're not going anywhere. Who cares about sorting these issues out? Whereas I'm like, must sort all issues out <laughs> because and work on them because there is that risk that you could meet someone who has sorted those things out or yeah. worked on those things. Um, and then it leads to a more fulfilling relationship because you're happier. Mm. I know so many people in relationships that they get into the relationship and they're fit and they're trim and they're not eating too many cakes and they're working hard and then a couple of years down the line they've they've both sit around all day eating Chinese takeaways put on a whole bunch of weight not looking after themselves at all Mm -hmm. and it's just that they're in that comfort state where oh well this person will stay around forever so therefore I can slack off and again this isn't with everyone I know a lot of monogamous couples that work really hard but if you're especially if you're one of in one of these monogamous relationships that is a little bit like that a little bit slack and they don't put much effort in maybe opening your relationship up could be a good idea because they straight away have got to go well he could be going off with anyone yeah, so i need yeah. to be working harder i need to be fitter i need to be tidier and cleaner yeah so yeah. so good so yeah. useful and it um i think it can almost make bring you closer together it's definitely brought us like closer together the work that you have to do on yourself and together is crazy the amount of you've got to have good communication like you cannot go into an open relationship or not monogamous if you guys cannot communicate well and talk about things because mm. you need to be honest and be able to talk about feelings or yeah what's going on or ways to navigate things um yeah so i think i read that somewhere they were like one of the best things that non-monogamy has taught me is communication like and being honest mm. if you're in a monogamous relationship and you're thinking about cheating on your partner you're not an honest person that's different between that's not not monogamy that's complete outright lying and betraying trust but being in a not monogamous relationship you actually have to be honest it's the opposite of that mm. and that can be hard because i think you've said that the guys have said to you oh you're so lucky that you get to sleep with chloe and sleep with other girls and then it's like yeah but would you want your girl to then sleep with other guys and they're like oh no <laughs> and it's like that, yeah like... i mean it, you get you get kind of benefits on one side but then drawbacks on the other side yeah but i think those drawbacks you can work through long term and then they won't they won't be drawbacks you'll you will be able to have your cake and eat it too which would be quite nice yeah exactly um and another positive of not monogamy is that your partner can't fulfill all of your needs so it's impossible for you to fulfill everything that i need in life and so having not even um it, again it's not even about sexual exclusivity but that freedom to be able to hang out with like different people or different you know opposite sex so <clears throat> i know you're quite good friends with some girls that you hang out with and stay over with and stuff but it's not a sexual thing but they have just have a different personality to me you do different things with them but then there's this so they fulfill that part of your need yeah um, have different conversations and stuff like that and those are the sorts of things that not in all again but maybe sometimes in all maybe sometimes your your girlfriend's not that kinky and you could get those sorts of things elsewhere yeah which if you can if you can handle that why wouldn't you yeah. and also things that aren't sexual like you say you can have other things with other people and it doesn't ruin your relationship so people put these expectations onto monogamous relationships you can't go out to to dinner with that friend or you can't play squash with that friend. And it's like, but I'm just playing squash with someone, love. I'm not doing anything wrong. But a lot of these, some of these toxic monogamous relationships can end up a little bit like that. You can't do that. That's out of order. But you don't want to play squash with your Chloe. Oh, well, you've got to suck it up. So Mm -hmm. you can't have all the things that would fulfill you. And why wouldn't you have them if you could? Yeah, yeah. It's the same with like friendships as well. You can't expect your friends to fulfill every sort of need so that's why you have lots of different friends because you know Mm. there might be one friend that you go bike riding with one friend you paint your nails with the one you go on nights out with like everyone's different and it's like that with non-monogamy which is why it can be really useful and it actually takes the pressure off your partner because you're not putting that pressure on them to fulfill everything Mm. um because you've got other options if you need them as well so the um the next thing is the fluidity of a non-monogamous relationship. So I believe that the best sort of relationship is a mainly monogamous relationship. But I feel that it's crazy, absolutely crazy, that a guy or a girl sleeping with someone else one time in a 25-year marriage means 
this marriage means absolutely nothing at all. I think that is fucking balmy. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a sexual act, something that we all want to do. We all have drives to do these things, to have sex with people, just like we have drives to eat a meal. And yet you can wipe off a whole 25-year marriage with one person cheating once because it's not about the sex. It's because they have broken the trust. That's the fundamental problem with what's going on there. And I feel like having some sort of a clause or a little bit of fluidity in your monogamous relationship will firstly allow there not to be those pressures and oppression in place that cause the cheating to be more likely or the, the sleeping with someone else to be more likely. But as well as that, if someone does sleep with someone else, which shouldn't be a big deal, the whole marriage still has that trust element. Mm-hmm. If Chloe sleeps with someone else tomorrow, it's not going to kill me because the trust is still there. Mm. This is the terms of our relationship. Whereas yeah, if you we were monogamous, I would have broken the trust. And the whole thing would have been yeah, written off. And yeah. I just think that's fucking nuts. Why does anyone have that? So we're not a... saying that cheating is, that if you break up after cheating is nuts. We're saying that that you should kind of have a clause so that it can allow you to do it once. Because obviously we do understand that if someone cheated on you, it, you wouldn't want to break up. The breaking up, yeah. the breaking of the trust is terrible. Yeah, 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 because it's the trust. Whereas if you were open with your partner about it, or maybe if, even if you're thinking about this now with your current partner and you're like, oh, I feel like I might cheat one day or eventually, maybe now's the time... Talk about Talk it, Talk about it, yeah. Don't, don't cheat. Don't cheat, because if you cheat, the relationship will end, and it's not to do with the sex, it's because you've betrayed the trust in your relationship with your partner, and that is why it's over. Whereas if you're honest, and even if they say, no, you can't sleep with them, at least you've not lied and mm. broken trust, which is way worse than being honest, which is literally what Trust did with me. You just told me the truth, how you're feeling. You said, if you don't um, tell me this, you will end up cheating, and you can't cheat on me. I think because I <laughs> once said to Trust oh, you're, you're definitely not the type of guy that would ever cheat on me. <laughs> and that's stuck in your head. You're like, shit, I can't cheat. <laughs> Tell me the truth. But it's, I, I mean, here we are two years later, so clearly being honest worked. Whereas, obviously, if you had cheated um, that time, then we wouldn't be together now. Mm. So we'd never ever be able to trust you again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the real benefits, I think, of having at least a fluid monogamous relationship and I personally believe that any relationship that I'm ever involved in will have that as the as one of the main principles within the relationship. And I will govern myself. I won't be told what to do, but I will be respectful. Yeah. That's that's where I think the control should always come from yourself rather than imposed from the other. And it's the same with getting married. Like one of the reasons Tristan and I would never have a conventional marriage is because in one of the vows is I will love till death to us part, which means you are signing a contract a legal binding contract to that person saying that you will love them forever and you cannot know that you will love someone forever is physically impossible because you know unless you can predict the future yeah unless you can predict the future <laughs> you change people change they change they may not change which they may, may be change, the problem yeah you might change and they don't and they stay behind you and then you you do fall in love with someone else or you can't do it anymore, then you have to go through a divorce and end the whole relationship and Mm. all that upheaval. Whereas if that vow said, I will love you the best I can each day, it would be totally different. But because it's, I have to sign this contract to you forever, it's just crazy. Um, Building those walls, those prison of controls (laughs) around yourself, that's going to be really fun in the end, isn't it? And having a ring to show everyone, like, look, I'm... I'm locked away with this one He person. will never leave me now. <laughs> yeah, we've got it written down. <laughs> yeah, and how often does that last? I mean, oh, it does yeah. sometimes, but not all the time. The amount of people I know, because I've worked in indus- I, yeah, I've worked in industries that have a high amount of um, cheaters, and I know friends who've also worked in other industries that are the same. And it's just crazy. The amount, when you know the amount of people that cheat when you ask. I mean, if I did a, I don't know, a stat thing and asked, went around asking like 2,000 people... I reckon, like, either they've been cheated on or... And they're the ones... And they're only the ones that would tell you or would be honest about (laughs) it. So there's potential for there to be more. Also, whilst we're on the subject of it, getting the government involved in your love with another human being, i.e. an official marriage contract, what the fuck is that all about? (laughs) Tax man getting involved, like, forms being signed with another human being. Crazy. I do think that the reason people do is because it comes from that... 
it actually comes from an insecurity and they want security and it's a fake security. And if you tie money, large amounts of money yeah, to it. Yeah, they think that it means that if this person marries <laughs> yeah. me, they will stay with me forever and they will love me forever. Uh, yeah, it's that's not, so true, but actually. Like, and I know I've got friends who are like really desperate to get married because they're like, oh, if we get married, like it's, it will complete our relationship. And it's like, no, it doesn't mean anything. People can still cheat, marriages still end. Yeah. And my therapist who's in an open marriage, she's been married four times before and it's never worked because she's felt so oppressed by it. And funny enough, she's now in an open marriage. But because it's open, she's mm. not actually ended up going with someone else. And she's been committed to that person for like 10 years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's quite... And, and it, it obviously, if you are listening to this and you're interested in non-monogamy, there are other ways you can do... Just like my therapist, you did a commitment thing. I don't know what it was. She did an unofficial kind of marriage with her yeah, partner. You can just have a big party, can't yeah. you? And give a ring to... And they just did their own vows, which were just basically saying that they will always commit to loving that person. And not always, but in the relationship they will. And looking after themselves and being a good lover kind of thing. Mm. You do your own thing. You don't have to go through the church and laws. Yeah. Um... And yeah, I guess that brings it on to the other subject of that being in the non-monogamous relationship another positive is that you do have to face those insecurities and jealousies. I know we've kind of briefly already spoken about it, but you do have to face those a lot of the time. And I think that is so good for me anyway. Um, it's hard not to act out of it, but for me, being in this, it brings up things that I've never even felt before or thought about. Um, a lot of them being irrational. I think you were saying as well how you explained it really well. Um, how your trauma is people yeah. not coming back and leaving you is Chloe's childhood trauma, her wounding, which is when I go and see someone else, it's really, really heightened because it's, <laughs> oh no, I'm giving Trish the freedom, which is a great thing for me to go and see someone else. But will he come back? Will he come back? Oh, will he leave me for her? Yeah. And then when I do come back, it's like your insecurity is straight away being invalidated because it's, oh, I'm not being abandoned and I'm not being left and Tris is still here and he does still love me and he does still care for me. And yeah. he's not being dishonest saying that, yeah. you know, he cares for me or whatever or that he loves me. Yeah, you, um, me thinking you're going to abandon me, which is my irrational um, wounding, and then you don't, yeah, like you said, just completely makes it invalid Mm. And make... So therefore it becomes less less yeah. strong, it has yeah. less of a hold over you. And so guess... the open relationship is causing you to reduce your amount of insecurities in the world. And the more, the more incidents where you have gone and done things where, that I felt insecure about, and it's not always sleeping with, it can be other things that I felt, oh, oh that makes me feel insecure that Tris is doing that. And that every time when you have come back, it's like that one, two, three, four, every time it like compounds and compounds, I'm like, oh, he has come back every time. Every time I've... Mm. yeah been vulnerable with those things you have come back or it's yeah it's basically been invalidated and a lot of the time as my therapist taught me is um and I know a lot of people have this is a story that you make up in your head and it will be um I'll just make one up but just to say like tonight you were going to a girl friend she's a friend of yours house and I made this, I could, I think that you fancy her, even though you've not said that or like not, you've told me as a friend, but I can make up this whole story in my head. Oh, Tristan's going to go in there. This is going to happen. And then he's going to, she's better than this me. Then this is going to happen. And then what if this happens? And then we're going to do this. And then this happened. And this whole thing, which I know you've experienced with me doing, like all these stories that come up and they're just born out of anxiety and they're not valid at all. Mm. And like, most of the time they don't happen. I remember there was some things that happened before when you were seeing that girl and the stories that I, <laughs> or the things that I thought were going to happen. And you were like, this isn't going to happen, Chloe. Like, why are you talking about this? And then it didn't. And then a few months later, I looked back, I was like, I can't believe I even worried about that. Like, yeah. why was I, wasted even, I wasted a time. whole night worrying about something that was just so irrational. But that's good because it's made me address it mm. and realise that they are irrational and they don't come true a lot of the time. Well, none of the times. And I think even for you, you've had a couple of experiences where you felt insecure and jealous and worried about things. But then when you realise they don't come true, well, they're not, and they're not valid, it just makes it stronger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think that's uh, really good. It's really good for you to face those things. I think that's a lot of reasons why people can't do it, though, because it is too hard for them to face those. Mm. Well, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because 
like setting up these freedoms to allow people not tying them down via marriage or sexual exclusivity or even by letting them go for a dinner with their friend. You are giving people this freedom. Oh, there's a lovely squirrel out there on that post. Oh, yeah. So cute. Um, <laughs> sorry, just got distracted by that squirrel. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what was it again? <laughs> And you are giving that person the opportunity to meet someone that is a better fit for mm. them and another person. So you're really putting your bollocks on the line because you're saying, Chloe might meet another person that's better suited to another person and she le may leave me for them. And in our egotistical world, we want to put all the controls in place to not allow that to happen. But is it really beneficial for me to be with Chloe when she'd be better suited to someone else? If I really care about Chloe, I'd want her happiness to be the most important thing. So therefore, I'd, I should accept and allow her to relate with someone else. Maybe not be relating with me anymore. Yeah. And I'd have to go on my own. And if I was strong, if I had strong enough character to allow that to happen, I'd understand that I'm a decent bloke as well. I'll find a person that's better suited to me as well. So that whole situation would be incredible and it would be worth doing. But we're all too fearful to allow that sort of thing to happen, which is what non-monogamy is doing. I am allowing that situation to happen. Yeah. And Chloe especially allowing me to act how I want to act and being one of the very few people that is not imposing these controls on me and forcing me to act a certain way. She's one of the, the few, few birds that is able to... <laughs> Um, to give a condition that is very, very important for me. Mm. So, I mean, you're you're winning by a long shot on that <laughs> one, <point. laughs> Yeah, I think that's so true, that if Tris met a girl who was um, better suited for him than me, if I really did love him as much as, you know, or as much as people say they love their partner, you would want them to be someone who was... You'd be kind yeah, rather than yeah. selfish. But because of our egos, it, and it really is, like, all about ego and fear, like you said, that... It's like, no, I, I want to be the girl that he's with. I don't want him to be with someone else. It's all about me, basically, which is what most... And you'd rather like. your happiness yeah. than the other person's yeah, happiness. Person. Yeah. And how, how happy is it going to be as well if someone wants to be somewhere else and then they're stuck with you? It's not going to be that happy. So you'd rather mm. have a miserable relationship with that person that's not well suited to you yeah. rather than find someone that's better suited to you and then find someone that be with the other person that's better suited to them. Seems a little bit crazy. I think this was the exact feeling that went through my head when you told me about the um, that you wanted to sleep with someone else. You didn't know what to do. I remember obviously I was really heartbroken to start with. But I remember lying on the bed thinking, I even said to you, I was because you were really upset. I was like, it's okay, like I love you and I want this to like, I, like because I could see you were so upset and I knew that for you to be happy I had to allow you to do what you want to do which is the same thing as like if you found someone who was better I was like I need to like this is important because I cared for you I wanted you to be happy whereas I think a lot of girls would have just gone well fuck you then get out of my house I don't care if you don't want to be with me and you want to be with that girl then fuck off but I was like no like I care for you I want you to be happy I want you to be able to be with her and me like mm. <laughs> if you want to be with both yeah whereas like yeah, I think most people would be too selfish and just be like, well, fine, if you don't want me, then you don't get me. <laughs> and yeah, too scared, really. Yeah. Very brave thing to do. But yeah. there's so much um, there's so much bliss, I think. But it does take a dropping of the ego. And it did, obviously, for me that night to be like, okay, like, we'll make this work. Like, you can see her and um, or whoever you want to see. Like, we'll eventually, like, we'll make it work. Mm. And that's a dropping of the ego rather than being, no, you you must stay with me. Or leave that's it there's two two options mm. i think we have covered most of you who entered our polls thank you um and i think we have covered most of the answers to them but one thing that someone did say a lot of people said they don't know they don't think that you can be in a committed relationship and be not monogamous or poly obviously if you're talking about sexual exclusivity you can't but with everything else surrounded you can have committed relationships with people if you want to you just have to find obviously like-minded people like just was saying earlier if you're with someone who's not on the same wavelength then they might treat you like shit and not be committed to you but you can have committed relationships and good relationships with people being not monogamous and having um a deep connection you can still have a deep connection with someone and be not monogamous and a deep love it's not all like superficial and it's not just all about sex i think that's one of the key things like with this 
is uh, to make the point that it's not just about sex and um, if someone says they're not monogamous or they're poly, they aren't. Some obviously are, but not all people are just going around sleeping with every person they meet. And I get that a lot from men. As soon as I tell them that I'm not monogamous, they assume that I'll sleep with them or the, mm. like the messages I got from men after that poll as well. It's just like, <laughs> it's not about that at all. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, allowing people that freedom is so important and then see if they abuse it. It's very easy. Yeah. If they abuse it, it's not for you. If they don't, they're a badass. I mean, yeah. it's pretty cool, really. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's uh, everything. Yeah. If you guys have any questions on this, do comment. Um, if it's on YouTube, just comment below or Spotify, Apple, drop us a message. Um, and if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Respect. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, see you soon. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye.